0: Welcome to Farmside Today, our regular podcast about what's happening in pharmaceutical science, hosted by Professor Gino Martini, Chief Scientist of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. Visit www.ourpharms.com forward slash podcasts for more Farmside Today and other podcasts. You can help us support the work of pharmacists by joining. Membership is just 60p a day. And now over to you, Gino. Hello, everybody. My name is Gino Martini. I'm the Chief Scientist for the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. And today, I'm absolutely delighted to have a friend, former colleague, Ravi LeMay, the MD for WACART. Ravi, hello. How are you today? Hi, General. You know, hello. Great to be talking to you again. Ravi, always a pleasure. It's been m- many years since we were working GSK together. Now, for our listeners and for our members, they may not understand or not know that WACAR are playing a crucial role in supplying the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine. But before we go into that fascinating story that's happening right now in, in Rexham, where you're based, in North Wales, could you introduce yourself, explain who you are and how you've come to be MD for WACAR UK?
1: Certainly, Gino. So as you put it, my name is Ravi Limai. I am uh, through and through a pharmaceutical professional working for almost 30 years in the pharmaceutical industry. Most of my time I spent in GlaxoSmithKline, where Gino, we worked together, as you said. And then I also worked in Novartis and uh, working with Wockhardt now for the last two years or so. I'm heading the company here in uh, Wrexham in North Wales, uh, where we have a sterile injectable manufacturing facility and about 500 people work here. We have a pretty robust business. And uh, as you said just now, we have uh, also started working on the AstraZeneca vaccine for the government of
0: UK, where we do the fill finish for this vaccine in our facility here in Wrexham. And just to confirm, do you say 400 people are employed at the Wrexham site?
1: So we have about five hundred people now, including the expansion that happened after we started working on the COVID vaccines. So it's a little bit more than five hundred
0: people. And so you've expanded your operation. So for our members and pharmacists up and down the country and people who are vaccinating, I mean, what role has Wokar played in the process of manufacturing the COVID nineteen vaccine?
1: So we are responsible for fill finish of the vaccines for the government of UK. We are actually responsible for fill finish of multiple vaccine candidates. And uh, the major part of it is for the AstraZeneca vaccine. Uh, this is basically a five-step process. To start with, we get the drug substance or the bulk vaccine from one of the bulk vaccine manufacturers. There are about two or three, two in UK and one in uh, Europe. But one of the main suppliers is Oxford Biomedica. So we get from Oxford Biomedica the bulk vaccine, which is stored in our facility at minus 75 degrees centigrade. And when we are about to start manufacturing or about to start the fill-finish process, we freeze thaw the vaccine based on the potency that we receive from the analytical labs from AstraZeneca. After freeze strawing do the formulation, which means we dilute the vaccine based on the potency. And after that, this is filled in vials under aseptic conditions. So this is aseptic filling. We do it on a high-speed vial filling line. It's a pretty high-tech, state-of-the-art machine. And then after the filling, it goes through automated inspection through another uh, state-of-the-art machine. And after automated inspection, if required, uh, manual inspection is done. And then after that, we do the packaging. And then once all this is done, we release the vials to the vaccination centers after we get the quality results from various laboratories that AstraZeneca is working with. And we also do some analytical testing in our own facility. So this is the process, in short.
0: So the expression fill, finish is filling the vaccine into the vials. And obviously the finish is the capping, the sealing and the analysis. Is that correct? Or is there more to fill the finish than that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it is formulation, followed by actual aseptic filling in the wilds, followed by inspection, packaging, and then release to the vaccination centres after we receive the analytical testing data from the various analytical labs.
0: Clearly, Ravi, there's a lot of excitement and an awful lot of misinformation and information out there in the social media and so clearly, there's obviously been a lot of challenges. Could you describe to our members some of the challenges they've come up against so far? So, for example, there's been a lot about glassware shortages. Is this true? Is this a myth? What's the situation about glassware?
1: To an extent, if you look at it globally, yes, there was a challenge with the glassware. However we have been working on this for the last eight or nine months since April so we have been preparing for this for the last eight or nine months and i'm happy to say that we have prepared enough for uh, ensuring that the population in UK is covered in fact probably we we will be able to more than cover the population in UK so From the point of view of the UK supply of vaccines, and I would say even going further, if there is supply required beyond uh, the first phase, we are definitely covered. Now, it is important to understand why this is a challenge, because the world needs about uh, 7 billion doses of the vaccine. If you take the global population, this is a global problem that needs a global solution. And the pandemic is not over unless everybody is protected. So basically... Nobody is protected unless everybody is protected. So in the global context, the world has never seen this kind of requirement of glassware or stoppers or whatever uh, uh, you you may require in the manufacturing process. So in that context, certainly this needs to be looked at as a challenging situation. However, because uh, many companies are prepared for it and we have prepared for it, I think we are in a position today where we can say that we have assured of the of the supply in
0: the UK. Clearly, from a UK perspective, we can bust that myth that there's not enough glassware. We have enough glass vials to supply the UK population. Excellent. Yes, indeed. What other challenges have you come against, Ravi? I suppose maybe managing expectations and education.
1: Yeah managing expectations obviously is a, is a challenge this is a, a hugely visible project it has an impact on us as a nation on on everybody here in the country and understandably there is a huge uh, expectation and a huge visibility about this Having said that, one also need to understand that uh, while this is a challenge, it's also a great opportunity for pharmaceutical professionals like me and everybody working in the team here in Wockhardt to stand up and make a difference. And I think that is really driving us to steer ourselves through this challenging time. When we talk of challenges, obviously the kind of volumes that we are managing, uh, we are talking of almost covering the entire UK population, which is about 120 million odd doses that we need to make available to make sure that the entire population is covered. And that is huge volumes. If you look at our uh, side here, we are talking of almost uh, increasing our capacity by almost two or three times. So that obviously comes with challenges of its own. And then it's just not about filling uh, in the wilds. are certain other uh, processes that have to happen along with it and the speed has to be matched with the filling of the vials like uh, inspection for example or uh, packaging so these other processes also are extremely important also the process of uh, formulating and then uh, actually filling in the vials first freeze thawing which takes uh, considerable time followed by that formulation and in-process testing And then feel finished. So it's quite a complex process. And when you are handling such large volumes, you can imagine uh, the complexity it brings in. So uh, this requires tremendous preparation. It requires a lot of patience. And it requires tremendous determination and willingness to go beyond ordinary to make it happen. And uh, very happy to say that the team here is very charged. They are going beyond the call of duty.
0: And that helps on behalf of the royal pharmaceutical society thank the good people working at what to make this happen having come from a pharmaceutical background i can only understand how difficult it is i mean when you just just said to to us that you're going to have to increase capacity almost or the sizes of the site two to three times shows doesn't it the commitment of what what is doing in in Rexham in order to meet the demand hats off to you guys i mean magic expectations really important i suppose Educating individuals how complex this process is and the numerous dependencies, I think, will be a constant challenge, no doubt. On timelines and delivery, clearly, that's another expectation. And so far, Wacott has met all those timeline challenges, yes?
1: Yes, we are uh, more or less on track. We are uh, working at pace in line with the agreed manufacturing plan with AstraZeneca and the government. And uh, you are aware of the targets set by the government. So we are working towards meeting those targets.
0: Again, I think the key issue is education. This is just not filling a simple vial. This is a complex formulation and complex steps. In Naaman's terms, Ravi, could you talk more about the vaccine itself? What's produced and what's in it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So broadly, there are four platforms of vaccines that are in the marketplace or are going to enter into the vaccination centers in the future. So some of these people would have already heard about, but I can briefly talk about them. So the first one is the mRNA platform, which basically uses uh, the genetic material from the, the virus. And it's uh, inserted into the human body and as a result it causes the human body to produce an immune response in terms of antibodies and T-cells and that's what gives immunity to the people and you know both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are the examples of mRNA vaccine. Then we have the adenovirus vector vaccines or viral vector vaccines. Example of this is of course AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson So here, what is done is uh, the genetic material from the spike protein is inserted into a viral vector. In case of say the AstraZeneca vaccine, it is a common cold viral vector, which is uh, made uh, important or which is attenuated and is used as a vehicle for uh, carrying the genetic material of the spike protein. And when injected into the human body, it enters the human cells and produces coronavirus spike protein. And as a result, triggers the immune response, which is basically both humoral and cellular response, which means T cells and uh, antibodies. Then a third platform is uh, whole viral vector. Uh, so a few examples are Valneva, which is under development. And there are a couple of other examples also of the, of this platform. And then the fourth one is protein subunit which uh, examples are Novavax, example, which is uh, likely to be approved shortly. So this vaccine basically uses the protein subunit of the spike protein in the coronavirus. And it is uh, genetically modified using what is called as baculovirus. And then when injected in the human body,
0: it triggers a immune response. I must admit, immunology was never my strongest point uh, at university. Thank you for simplifying that process for me. From your personal perspective, as somebody who's at the edge of this, you're supplying a very important vaccine to the people of the UK and obviously globally as well. Why is it important to you that people take the vaccine? This is a very important
1: question, Gino. I think people need to appreciate that vaccine is our best defense at the moment against COVID. If there is any way we can stop this pandemic, it is through mass vaccination, And it is through more and more people accepting the vaccine and getting themselves vaccinated. You would have uh, seen the spectacular data that is coming out almost by the day. Uh, Yesterday, we we heard about a significant reduction in hospitalization, almost 80-85% reduction in hospitalizations for people above the age of 80, which is tremendous. So... It is very important for people to understand that our best defense against this virus is vaccines. And more and more people should come out and take these vaccines. Wherever people are offered the vaccines, they must take the vaccine. And uh, as more and more people get vaccinated, that's the point where we can say that we will have the pandemic under control.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, Ravi. A good vaccine is one that's in your arm. A bad vaccine is one well, that's not been injected. So I think it's very important we get that message. And also to remind people that WHO, their specification was a minimum 50% efficacy. And all the vaccines that have been approved are well, well above that minimum and will give great coverage and protection to individuals. So if offered the vaccine, take the vaccine. As we move to our our, our last question, I think this is more looking towards the future. What lessons have we learned and what are we going to do to stop this happening again, I suppose, Ravi? So I think first
1: it is important to understand that the pandemics of this nature are basically global in nature. It's a global problem that needs a global solution. It is very important to recognize the tremendous role played by The vaccine task force appointed by the government of UK and in general, the role played by the government of UK. I mean, they have taken really extremely proactive measures and uh, uh, really made a difference, especially when it comes to vaccination. The various initiatives taken have uh, really resulted in us reaching this situation where the vaccination, uh, uh, the speed of vaccination achieved in, in, in UK. Is better than many other countries in the world. Some of the initiatives taken are actually, in a way, a pointer as to how pandemics of this nature should be managed in the future. Just to give some examples, you know, very early in this pandemic, uh, the government invested in establishing a rapid deployment facility at Oxford Biomedica, which uh, began uh, manufacturing the uh, vaccine drug substance at pace. They uh, work together with us to ensure that the fill finish, which is an essential step in the vaccine manufacturing, is secured. The government invested about 300 million to secure and scale up uh, the UK's manufacturing capabilities in general to be able to respond to any future pandemics. There have been a number of other initiatives that have been taken, like investment in skills uh, training or investment in development of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine at, at an early stage. And then uh, uh, booking in, ad- in advance a number of different uh, vaccine candidates belonging to different vaccine platforms and uh, taking that uh, calculated uh, risk in the interest of public health. So all these are pointers as to what is required to ensure that we are prepared to encounter any pandemics in future. And uh, above all, the tremendous role played by the scientific community. I think what we are seeing today is a scientific miracle, I would say. To get so many vaccines, at least four at the moment, in less than like, eight or ten months, and they're all, as you said, highly effective, very safe, and have already been shown to be making a difference to the pandemic in countries like UK and Israel, where substantial vaccination has already happened. So I think uh, we have learned a lot in this pandemic. Uh, We have learned that uh, this probably is not the last pandemic that we are going to face. But I think this pandemic has also taught us uh, what needs to be done and some of the best practices I think need to be carried forward to encounter any such future pandemic.
0: Ravi, I, I totally agree. I think the Vaccines Task Force have been incredible. We've had the chairman Clive Dix here recently giving a podcast. He also gave a podcast here before Christmas and the scientific community combined with cooperation has been remarkable to see and I think that's sharing best practice on behalf of the Royal Pharmaceutical Society, Ravi, I'd like to thank you for your time. I'd like to acknowledge the hard work of all the staff who work out again.
1: Thanks, Gino. It has been great speaking with you and meet you again after a long time. Hopefully, we are seeing the beginning of the end of the pandemic and that day is going to come very soon when we can meet and you can visit our site.
0: Looking forward to it, Ravi. And again, thank you for your time. Thanks, Gino. Thanks for joining us at Farmside today. We regularly add new chats with interesting and important figures at www.orpharms.com forward slash podcast. So check back again soon to keep up with the latest in pharmacy and pharmaceutical science. And remember, RPS membership costs just 60p a day. Find out more at www.orpharms.com forward slash RPS membership.